You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode, and we've got a killer one for you today. We're going to be talking with Chad Mendez. Now, you probably know him from the UFC, right? So he's a, he's a badass in the octagon. Did you also know that he was an awesome collegiate wrestler? You probably even know that he is an avid hunter and outdoorsman. But did you know that he is also a huge fan of cooking wild game that he harvests, right? So, so much so that he actually started a cookbook with another guy and that's one of the topics that we talk about today so we talk about uh his daughter's first ever bluegill right these these moments in life that have uh, huge impacts uh, and for me i had a i have the picture of my daughter catching her very first bluegill also in my office i mentioned that in that today's episode we talk about why he loves cooking wild game we talk talk about who got him uh, started in uh, you know the world of hunting uh, and, and being an outdoorsman, which was his father, and he he talks about that. And then we also talk about the cookbook, and we talk about um, why he decided to start a cookbook. We talk about some of his favorite recipes. We talk about some of his favorite wild game um, meats to eat. And uh, elk and venison are not on the top of the list, believe it or not. So uh, all that's going to be talked about in today's episode. I'm going to run down a quick commercial, uh, do some quick commercials here. And we have uh, Ozonics. If you want a free dry wash bag with a purchase of one of your units, enter the discount code NFC21. Now, that does not apply if they're currently running another sale. So uh, heads up uh, on that. Same with Wasp. Uh, The discount code for Wasp Broadheads is the number nine followed by the word fingers 2021 and that's going to save you 20 percent off of uh, a purchase lone wolf portable tree stands uh 9fc21 9fc21 uh that's going to get you 50 dollars off of all purchases over 
$200. Hunt Stand, if you want to save on a subscription to Hunt Stand, SN20, that's going to be uh, 20% off of a membership to hunt stand and then also make sure you check out vortex optics they're going to be running some sales i'm not sure if exodus trail cameras is running any sales but go check that out and the next caliber crossbow uh, crossbows please go out and support the companies that support this podcast um also try to sneak out I know it's going to be hard this week and this weekend. If you got a little time, maybe maybe a morning hunt before the kids wake up and, and the activities start, try to get out. I got friends in multiple states saying that their cell cams and their trail cameras are a- absolutely blowing up because... Um, you know, these, these big deer have bred their last doe and now they're looking for one more before the rut ends. And we all know it gets harder from this point on, but, uh, I think to the day that this episode launches is November 24th. I, I believe November 24th, 2017 was one of my best period, best hunts in a, uh, ever. And it was a hot doe came through this ridge system and followed by three deer. And then the rest of the morning, I probably until noon, I finally sat until noon and it was every 20 minutes, a different buck was uh, going through and I missed a giant that day or I hit him, but I didn't kill him. Uh, That's kind of a sore subject, but don't give up yet. There's still plenty of time. We got gun season left. We got... Uh, the ruts still happening and the further south you go, uh, you know, a lot of people say my uncle, he's a firm believer that, you know, the further south you go, the later the rut hits, uh, specifically in states like Kansas and Southern Missouri and, and Arkansas and, you know, right on that line right there. So don't give up yet. Get out there, hunt your balls off and, uh, keep grinding on it. So today's episode is a good one. Chad Mendez. Here we go. Three two, one. All right. On the phone with me today, Mr. Chad Mendez. Chad, how we doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So usually this, the first part of the uh, podcast is dedicated to a little BSing uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes. So the first thing that I want to ask is, you know, life is made up of all these moments. Some are greater than the other, but I was scrolling through your Instagram feed the other day and I saw a picture of your oldest girl reeling in a bluegill. And I think, did you say something about it? It it was the, her first solo reel in. Yep. That was her first actual solo reel in, man. It's, uh, it was probably my greatest memory uh, for that anything fishing wise yeah. to date. So we actually just went back out there this morning and she caught a few more. So she's getting the hang of it. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I have the picture yeah. of the fish, my, the very first fish my daughter ever caught here in uh, at my uh, mom and stepdad's pond that they have. It was also a bluegill yep. and it rates up there as far as all outdoor memories, it's the first fish by yep. herself. And man, I, I, I don't know about you, but I got jacked. Yeah. I mean, I was so excited. I was taking so many photos and videos, <laughs> sending them to mom. And yeah, I was just like so pumped up for her. It's, 
cheat. And then I wasn't sure. Usually she loses interest with things pretty quick. Yeah. And we stayed down there and probably caught 15 of them. Right. And I, at, at the end, even I was kind of like, okay, we should probably go do something else. So I would <laughs> give her the option and she'd be like, nope, I want to catch another one. So I think I might might have a little fisherwoman, uh, my little fishing partner there coming out. So yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. So how old is she? She's two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. All right. So my daughter's eight. So now she doesn't want to be bothered. She can put the worm on by herself. She can cast by herself. She can reel in by herself. She needs a little help, you know, getting the fish off the hook. But other than that, it's, hey, dad, stay away from me. Yeah. See, that's awesome. I'm excited for that. She's already even got the little lip hold down where she holds the fish out far (laughs) towards the camera. I was like, yep, you, you got it. (laughs) <laughs> awesome. Well, so, I tell you, yeah. there, there's a lot more memories uh, to come. You're uh, just recently a second time dad. Yep. Friday night, we uh, rushed to the hospital. We had another healthy baby girl. So I'm officially a dad, a girl dad. I, I think we're done after this one. So yeah, no boys. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I, I enjoy being a girl dad. I, I so. do as well. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you made a, you made the right choice because three when you yeah. have three, it gets crazy. Yeah. Uh, so two is a, oh, a, a yeah. perfect number. Oh, yeah. I haven't slept much for the last three days. So <laughs> uh, I probably get to look forward to that. Everyone keeps saying for the next probably year. But yeah. no, it's going to be worth it. It'll all be worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did your season go this year? Um, it was pretty good. I uh, had some some strange things pop up. So I signed a big uh, contract with bare knuckle boxing um, kind of late in the year. And uh, by the time I found out, I think it was already pretty much beginning of August. Um, and they were trying to get me to fight in the end of October. So that basically screwed up my entire uh, August, September and beginning of October, which I had a ton of hunts planned. So <clears throat> ended up canceling most of them. I had another doll sheep hunt planned in August. I had uh, uh, October, we had Utah mule deer, um, elk in September, um, uh, antelope um, in August as well. So we ended up canceling all that stuff and then uh, ended up finding out just a few weeks later that fight's getting postponed. So then I like scrambled to try to get everything back in order and was able to get a few of them uh, I didn't get the doll sheep hut, but I did go to uh, Wyoming for antelope, got one there with my bow, uh, was able to head up to Oregon last minute for elk, um, and didn't get one, um, had a lot of opportunities, just just couldn't get it done, and then ended up getting a nice mule deer in Utah, so, and then I just got back from Colorado as well, had a nice mule deer out there, so, yeah, it was decent, man, I got, I got, ended up getting three deer here, one in California as well. So three deer total, the antelope, and then uh, earlier in the year I went out and got an oryx, uh, one of the free-range oryx that are running around out in New Mexico with a buddy. And I got to tell you what, man, that's I like oryx better than elk. It might be my new favorite wild game meat. Oh, really? It is so good. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Huh. I didn't like down south. There's a couple, um, especially in the southwest. I think there's oryx. I think there's some i. A wild ibex that hang around down yeah. in the southwest um that yep. i didn't real honestly know about that you could mm-hmm. uh that you could hunt some of these animals down there yeah 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 new mexico brought them over i think oh 
it was either, I think it was in the 60s, they brought a bunch over. Yeah. And I believe there was like four different species of animals that they reintroduced, or not reintroduced, but introduced. Yeah. Um, I think the Audad took off. That's one. The, the uh, Oryx definitely took off. Um, and I think there was a couple that just didn't make it, but um, those two for sure. And there are tons of them down there now in, in New Mexico. And uh, we ended up going and hunting uh, one of Ted Turner's ranches which that guy owns insane amounts of property. But I had tried a steak. My buddy had gone the year before, and he gave me some of the steaks. And I ate them. I was like, dude, we got to set up a hunt next year. This meat (laughs) is so good. So I ended up going out this year, earlier this year, after doing that. So, um, But, yeah, man, we saw so many of them down there. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you brought it up, so I'm going to ask the question now. But, you know, you you signed a deal – with this uh, bare knuckle fighting. So some of yep. your hunts had to get scrapped throughout yep. your college and your professional uh, MMA career and whatever. How, you know, you're an outdoorsman. It sounds like, how did you make that balance when it's hunting season, but I also have to train every day to be a college wrestler and to be an MMA fighter. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I started hunting when I was a little kid, and, um, you know, during our hunting season, our deer hunting season, uh, my dad and my brothers and sisters, we'd go up and, and hunt and camp, you know, camp and hunt up there as much as we could on the weekends, um, but most weekends, you know, we were wrestling or doing some type of athletic, so we didn't get to go a ton, but it was always something I absolutely loved to do, um, and then when I got into college, uh, I really had to pump the brakes, trying to keep up with school and then basically wrestling almost year round. I mean, even during our summer, we would still have to practice and, and stay in shape and make improvements. So um, it definitely slowed way, way down throughout my college career. Once I graduated, I moved up to Sacramento and jumped right into fighting. Uh, that was something that I picked up like right away. I started doing a bunch of homework uh, where we could hunt up here, what type of animals we had to hunt, um, you know, places for fishing, just picking people's brain. I ended up um, meeting my now business partner for Fins and Feathers, um, and his family owned some property. We ended up, you know, becoming good buddies and would go out hunting all the time. And, um, yeah, so that's that's really who taught me most of the areas here in, in Sacramento, Northern California altogether. But, um yeah, man, we, it, it was tough for sure. Like with school and training, didn't do much hunting. But when I, when I jumped into the fight game, I would be training pretty much year round. But, um, if it was after a fight, I would make time, you know, I'd go out for like two weeks, I'd plan trips right after a fight where I was basically letting my body heal up anyways. Um, and would go out and hopefully fill the freezer with a bunch of good meat that I'd be able to use throughout my next training camp and just live off of and, uh, go through that fight and then basically repeat. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then obviously once I started getting towards the end of my UFC career, I started trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to make money outside of fighting? Cause once we retire, we don't get paid anymore. It's not, we don't have, you know, any type of retirement. We have to do that stuff, you know, on our own outside of the organization. But, uh, once you stop fighting, checks stop coming in. So it's like, what can I do? that really, you know, has something to do with the outdoor industry, doing stuff that I absolutely love to do um, and, and make money doing it. And that's how we came up with Fins and Feathers, which is 
what we call a celebrity outdoor service. So we take clients on different hunting and fishing trips all over the world, and we just add different athletes on the trip to go hunting and fishing with them. Um, and basically just, you know, they get to – these guys they normally see on TV or, or, you know, playing in their sport, you might see them at a meet and greet, shake their hand, take a picture, and then that's pretty much it where, you know, we all know in hunting camp the camaraderie and, you know, just – how you build that brotherhood and, you know, you really get to know people sitting around a campfire, passing around some, some whiskey or whatever it is, telling stories about the day. And, uh, you know, so we're like, let's, let's see if we can get this sucker started. And we launched it back in 2015 and it's been taken off, man. It's been, we've pretty much sold out of everything since 2015. So, um, that was something that we created me and Mike, which my business partner, that was the guy I was just talking about. And, uh, and it's it's been awesome for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so this is the perfect transition because you know you're trying to find ways to make money um, and uh, you know ex- uh, expand your career outside of the fighting realm. And uh, uh, I get an email come across my uh, my inbox, and uh, you're starting a cookbook, or you, you've you've yep. Uh, t- talk to us a little bit about that. Why a cookbook and who are you working with this on? Yeah, man, if you would have asked me 15 years ago, if I'd ever have a book that was published, I'd laugh. But, um, <laughs> yeah, me and my other business partner, Chad Belding, who is, uh, the host of, uh, the Fat Life TV on the outdoor channel, me and him, have, we basically met through Traeger. Uh, we both worked with Traeger and we have for the last few years and, um, ended up meeting, but just quickly realized we have a ton in common, obviously in the outdoor industry. He was a baseball player, so he's an athlete as well, um, and just kind of became good buddies. And both of us, I mean, we've gone on uh, a bunch of different waterfowl hunts, and, you know, we made some really good food in camp, cooking some of the stuff that we harvested that day. And, you know, there was always talk like, dude, I wish – we could do this more. Like, how awesome is this? And so it was always something we talked about. But finally, we just, you know, that was probably, what, a year and a half ago we've been working on all this. Um, we got together and it's like, look, let's let's do something. Like, we love hunting. We love fishing. We love cooking. Um, why not? Let's, let's share all this with people. So we got together, which it, this was a ton of work. And I was, I think we we put together like 90 something recipes uh, and in over a nine or 10 day period, we cooked every single one of those recipes, got photos of every single recipe to use throughout the cookbook. Uh, so it was cook, photo, clean, repeat. We did that for, I don't know, they were like 10 hour days, 10, 12 hour days for nine days straight, I believe. And uh, man, after that, I, I said, I'm not cooking again for another month. <laughs> and, uh, but I think I gained about 10 pounds because we ate most of that stuff, almost all of it, or had a bunch of buddies come over when it was like something big. Um, But yeah, man, we just, it's basically our love for the outdoors. It's our love for being a provider for all of our friends and all of our family members um, and trying to teach that legacy and teach that tradition um, that we truly believe this day and age is starting to slip away. You know, people are getting more and more disconnected from their food. Um, it's, it really still boggles my mind how many people, you know, when I post a, a hunting photo, you know, we'll, we'll leave in the comments something like, 
why don't you quit murdering these animals and just go to the store and buy your meat like everybody else? And it's like, wow, like that's, yeah. that's how people truly think some people. And, you know, and it's, it's kind of scary how many people still think that way. Um, even, even though we've tried and we talk about the benefits of hunting and the reason why we do it, it's, we show all these amazing recipes and, uh, different ways to, to create and cook these meals. Um, and also the health benefits of it, you know, not having to cook something and feed to your daughter that's two years old, that's pumped full of hormones and God knows what, you know, it's, it's nice, you know, to go out and kill an animal and put that meat in the freezer and then talk about that with your daughter when you're making it and she's sitting there eating it. Like this is elk, this is elk that dad went and got with his bow and arrow. And she understands that. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the main reason why we wanted to start this cookbook and this brand, the provider. Um, we, we launched a bunch of different outdoor rubs. There's 10 different rubs that um, are pretty much geared towards wild game, but are good on any, any meat. And then we created this cookbook. Uh, we teamed up with Ben Bella and, and created this. We have a bunch of our own personal recipes and then a bunch of our friends that um, are in the outdoor industry too, some of their favorite recipes. Um, but like I said, the, the main purpose was basically trying to keep this tradition of living off the land um, alive and just, and, and keeping that rolling for this next generation and many more to come, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the understatement of the year as far as people being disconnected mm-hmm. from where their food comes from. It's crazy now. It is right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now you mentioned that, you know, your dad, you know, was hunting and you were hunting since you were, you know, young. Uh, do you have any memories or favorite dishes that your mom or your dad uh, used to cook while you were young? Um, wild game wise? Or just yeah, yeah, just, wa- just wild, like I, wild game. I, I think pasta was probably like my dad made a really good pasta dish with ground, any type of ground wild yeah. game that you would have wild boar or venison. Um, and that's, that's still probably my staple here in our household. I, I probably, you know, that's rolled over from watching my dad do it and then just tweaking it and kind of making yeah. it my own. But, um, pasta, um, and we're not Italian. Well, I guess we're, he's a little bit Italian, but we're not like a big Italian family, you know, but that was something that he, he took a lot of pride in and, and really enjoyed. Uh, my dad was always really good at making steaks too. You're just basic steak, potato, and like some type of vegetable type meal. Yeah. Um, you know, the low and slow and, you know, just all the good stuff you could do with steak. That that was my dad as well. So I'd say probably those two. Um, I always lived with my dad, by the way. My my parents split up when I was like one years old. So I grew up with my pops and uh, my dad was always the one in the kitchen cooking. And, you know, he, he loved to cook. And I think that's probably where I got it from. Um, I absolutely love cooking. I, I cook in our household and um, I think years of cutting weight from wrestling and fighting also probably help <laughs> just yeah. sitting there not being able to eat and watching the food channel and seeing all these awesome <laughs> recipes. Being it's like torture. And, you know, taking notes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know my, my wife always, would always be like, why are you doing this to yourself? But I don't know. It just, it was always like, Oh, I'm going to make that as soon as I can eat again. Watch this. I'm going to, Ooh, I like that. You know? Yeah. So it was just taking notes in my, in my brain. But, um, yeah. So, you know, my dad was definitely the, the cook in the household. And I definitely took some of his, his, um, his favorites. Like I said, any of the state type stuff and the pasta stuff was, 
was probably two that I mostly remember. Yeah. What about your wife? Was was she experienced in wild game before she met you? No, not at I, I mean, her dad hunted. She's from Missouri. So, okay. you know, they're a whitetail family. Um, but they weren't, you know, super hardcore. They'd go out from time to time. Sometimes you'd get one, sometimes they wouldn't. But um, I think she would eat it, but wasn't really burst on it. Like, it wasn't something that... There wasn't a huge variety, you know. Yeah. Um, when we got together, she was like, "Holy crap, you hunt a lot." <laughs> but <laughs> another understatement. We always have, yeah, we always have a good variety of meats in the freezer to where we can go out there at any time and and uh, you know pick from whatever we want. So um, it's always nice to um, being able to share that with some of our closest friends and other family members too. So um, yeah, it's she she definitely wasn't uh super burst but man i got actually got her in. i got her into her first hunt she killed a big wild boar with a rifle she's killed a couple uh turkeys with their bow and shotguns um and so she's done it she loves the the you know she loves the filled the fork aspect of it yeah. the eating what you kill and knowing exactly where your food comes from so she's she's a little bit um she's she's very earthy i can say so she definitely understands all that. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. See, my my wife is yeah. a she she likes it in it, but it has to be cooked just right, and it has to be well. Yeah. I don't want to say over seasoned, but well seasoned. Um, you know, if, yeah. She's not like me, where I would definitely go for a, a backstrap over a steak. She would choose a steak over a backstrap, right? So really, so. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But, you know, a lot of people probably in some of your experiences too have never had good, like properly cooked wild game to the point where they yeah. they can go, oh, mm-hmm. this is wild game. Yeah, and I think that's huge, man. And that's something I've talked about in some other podcasts. But, um, you know, I think, you know, so we also have like my peak refuel mills where we did elk meat in them yeah. and bison uh, and venison. And I think there's just a lot of people that have had wild game and it wasn't done right. And and I'm one of those people as well. I remember when I was young, one of the times I had wild game, I forget who cooked it. it wasn't my dad, but we had it somewhere. And it, I think it was wild boar. Maybe it was venison actually, but it was way overcooked. It was tough yeah. and it would just tasted gamey, yeah. you know? And so that's like the first slap in the face with it. And it's like, ah, that's what wild game is like. I don't like wild game. <laughs> no, thanks. You know? So yeah, exactly. But, then my dad would make something, you know, like a, a, a venison piccata or something like that. It's, you know, it's done properly. It's not overcooked and it's still tender and, you know, doesn't taste all gamey. And it was amazing. I'm like, wow, this is okay. I like wild game now. So once you get that, that bad and then the good, you start to understand that. But there's so many people that are just so put off because it's wild game. And maybe they've had that one bad experience that they haven't tried it again um, and I think that's what's good about our cookbook is there's so many good recipes that, you know, I've created, that Felding's created. Um, that, like I said, a bunch of our friends in the outdoor industry who eat wild game year-round have created. Um, so, you know, we all know what to do with wild game and things to stay away from, a.k.a. never, never overcooking, um, you know, certain things to use, some, some things not to use. Um, you know, stuff that pairs well with it, certain wines or whatever. So I think this was 
a good uh, way for us to kind of share that with people that have maybe had those bad experiences um, and, and hopefully it changes their mind about it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the cookbook, I mean, is it, it's out right now, it's available right now. It is. Yep. We launched it beginning this, this month. Uh, and it's been, we had, we did a big pre-order on Amazon, but people can get it on Amazon. Um, let me see. I have a list of, I'm sure I can send all to you, all that to you too, if you wanted to add all that at the end, but yeah, Amazon's probably going to be your easiest, easiest way to grab it. Gotcha. Um, okay. But well, yeah, so. let's talk about some of the recipes. You know, you mentioned 90 recipes in this in this book and that's crazy. That's uh that's a lot of recipes. I don't even know if um I have 90 recipes of wild like fish and and uh <laughs> wild game and yeah. du- like waterfowl and all that stuff that I could add up together to make 90. So how did you guys like come across these recipes and determine how they made the the cookbook? Yeah, we, I think we ended up doing 93 or 95, but we cut it back to like in the, something in the 70s. Okay. It, we're going to, the plan is to probably do another one. Um, and we just, we started thinking, I mean, much more than 70, that's kind of getting overwhelming. We can kind of cut that back a bit, but we ended up doing all of those. Now we have all the content for the second one. But um, yeah, I mean, it was basically we went through, I, I, wrote down and chose all my favorite game recipes. Belding did the same thing. Um, I forget what number that was. That that was probably like, I don't know, in the 50s or 60s. And then uh, we basically just start reaching out to some of our closest friends that, you know, are in the outdoor industry as well. And, you know, they'd be sending over two or three of their favorite wild game recipes. You know, we just started adding those in there as well. So, um yeah, I, yeah, there wasn't ever a specific like, hey, let's come up with ninety-three recipes. Right. It kind of ended up unfolding into that, but yeah, um, yeah, it's basically just all of our favorite ones that we've ever come across in different hunting camps that we've kind of tweaked or changed and and made our own or things that we've come up with from from scratch. Um, and you know, it's like I said, it's it's a good. We all we also have a lot of stories in there too, so. It's not only just a cookbook. We like I have a bunch of my hunting, some of my favorite hunting stories from when I was a kid up through now. Same thing with Belding and his family. Um, and then we also have some like tips. I put some like, training tips in there for people that are interested in like you know getting ready for a big backcountry hunt, or you know even some athletic type training tips are in there. So we kind of mixed in a little bit of uh, different different stuff as far as that goes, almost to make it more of like a table book. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a great cookbook. We have tons of great recipes. But if you just didn't care about the cooking part of it, we do have some great stories, too, if you ever wanted to read just, you know, some cool adventures from different hunts that we've been on uh, just throughout our lives. Right. So the, the title is The Provider Cookbook, Fish and Game Recipes for Eating Wild and Living Off the Land. Aside from, you know, like fish, like what kind of fish, what kind of wild game is actually in this cookbook? It, Oh man, we got a mix of all kinds of stuff. We got, you know, all your venison, you know, deer, elk, we got bison, we got, uh, I think I even did some axis deer. We got, um, uh, we got all your upland, your pheasant, your quail, um, wild turkey. We got, um, all your waterfowl, deer, uh, duck, geese, um, fish. We did some like yellowtail, bluefin tuna, yellowfin tuna, um, I think Belding did some of your freshwater fish type recipes. 
Um, you know, we even have some desserts. We have cocktail recipes. Um, but but the great thing about these recipes is, you know, yeah, it's geared towards wild game. But I have I have buddies that I've given this cookbook to that don't hunt and just love like when they come over to our house and we cook stuff. They just love the flavors and how it turns out. So he's like, dude, I would. I would use these, but you can use them with any type of domestic meats as well. Yeah. You know, substitute the pheasant for chicken breast or, you know, you could do uh, lamb for some venison or, you know, beef for elk or, you know what I mean? So yeah. you can buy even bison from the store, but, you know, it's obviously it's geared towards people to go out there and, and still love living off the land, hunting and providing uh, and filling their freezer themselves. But it's not limited to. I mean, we do actually even have some straight beef, some chicken, pork, um, and turkey recipes in there. So, gotcha. All right. So, uh, with uh, with all that said, then, what are some of your favorites? Like, if I picked this book up and I, you know, I went to Amazon, I ordered it, or any of the uh, people listening, they go and they order this bo- uh, this cookbook. What is the yep. very first recipe that you would recommend? <laughs> my favorite one in there is I'm trying to figure out what I ended up titling it. Cause it's just a recipe that I created. It was wild boar. It's a wild boar pasta dish. Okay. And this is just going back to, I think what we were talking about with my dad, um, doing the pasta stuff, but, uh, it's wild boar. I'm going in the cookbook right now. So I can remember what the hell I labeled or what I ended up titling it. But, um, here it is. Wild boar sausage and goat cheese pasta. Um, this is a recipe that I created back, I think it was when I first moved up to Sacramento um, and started fighting. I, I actually lived with Uriah Faber, um, and I lived there for, I don't know, a few months before I got a couple fights under my belt and had money to go get my own place. Um, but I ended up killing a wild boar on a buddy's ranch, and I had this, and I, I wanted to create a pasta dish that wasn't, like, very heavy with, like, a... Um, like a tomato sauce base sauce. So I created the pasta, ended up, you know, you throw uh, roasted red peppers in there, some goat cheese, obviously the ground wild boar sausage or just uh, ground meat, whatever you like. Um, mushrooms, sauteed mushrooms and onions, um, some fresh basil. Um, and then basically you, t- you top it with some olive oil and balsamic vinegar. You mix that all up and that, Still to this day is probably my favorite pasta dish uh, altogether out of all pasta dishes I've ever had. So and I think it sometimes throws the most people off with the with the balsamic and the olive oil at the end, but it gives it such a great flavor with with the wild boar and the roasted red peppers with that goat cheese. It is phenomenal. Yeah. Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Every time I make that, any type of big group setting, everyone absolutely loves it. It's definitely a crowd favorite. So um, I'd say it would probably be that one. Yeah. All right. So you also mentioned cocktails in this. I'm a cocktail guy. Uh, what right. what kind of cocktails do you have for us in there? A lot of whiskey stuff. I love whiskey. Uh, and this was more building. I'm not a huge drinker. I'll, I'll, I'm more of a tequila guy, but um, he came through and threw in a couple – um, cocktails that um, he works with Jack Daniels. So these were mainly Jack Daniel based drinks, but yeah. um, really you could use anything, but um, yeah, we got, we got some whiskey stuff in there. So gotcha. you have to check it out. Okay. One of them, one of them is called the honey hole. 
and I have had that at Belding South, and it was really good. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's other, you know, when, when people think about wild game, even like when I was uneducated about it, right now I can, I can pull something out of my freezer in the morning. I can cook it uh, tonight, you know, that, that night, if I wanted to, uh, with a very simple, you know, 20, 30 minute recipe, whatever. There are some people out there who think that, uh, you know, wild game is this huge undertaking to make it, you know, to make it good. Um, what are some of the time, uh, limitations a guy would need to put some of these recipes together? Yeah, we have stuff from super, super simple, you know, probably 15 to 30 minute type dishes. And then obviously you're more time, time, uh, taking type stuff like, you know, like a, like a roulade. I think we did, uh, like I did like a little backstrap roulade, which, you know, that one probably takes from start to finish probably a couple hours. But like I'm looking at one right now, this is uh, probably one of my favorite things in this recipe with my buddy JT's, or sorry, in this cookbook, um, as far as using uh, wild turkey. He made wild turkey nuggets. Yeah. And it's something super simple, but it was so, they were so good. I think I, when we did this photo shoot, I probably ate every single one of these wild <laughs> turkey nuggets. So, uh, But that, that's one of those ones that are just super simple, doesn't yeah. take, I mean, you could probably get that done in less than 30 minutes. Um, and it will be a crowd favorite, you know, your kids will love it. Um, and it's something that, you know, it's, some people get pretty, uh, discouraged with wild turkey. I hear that all the time. Like it's not that good. It's super tough. And that is a great way to make everybody love wild turkey. Yeah. Um, and it's very simple. Yeah, that's a fact. All right. So any recipes pertaining to, uh, the, the not so attractive cuts like heart, or liver, or even stomach, or coal fat? No, we didn't do much of that type of stuff, and that's something we're probably saving for the second one. Yeah. I think this first one, we kind of wanted to make more of your traditional type cuts, and yeah. you know things that most people could relate to, um, and just see how it does, and then maybe throw some of that type of stuff in the second one, the second go-round, and just see how that does. You know, I think that's a very um, niche community that you know, would eat the cold fat or the heart or, you know, I, I, I do it, but I know there's a lot of people that just get very, uh, turned off by it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think we ought to show it and just let people know that there are ways to make this stuff to taste and, and have it taste good. Yeah. Heart, your liver. I mean, those are some of the most nutrient dense organs on, on an animal. It's like you can get so many benefits from them. Um, why not eat it, especially if you can make it taste good. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that's definitely something we've talked about. Yeah. I, uh, I used to think that, you know, hear horror stories about the heart until I kept a heart from my last year's deer yeah. and, uh, and, and this year as well and made heart fajitas out of them. Oh, crazy delicious. Ooh, nice. Yeah. 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 That sounds great. Yep. I've, I mean, I, I think the first time I ever had it was your, your standard cut it thin, pound it out spread it and deep fry it yeah. it's like you know everything tastes good that way that's right and that was my first first encounter with it and i was like man this is really good and then i've also done it where i've sliced it thin and you know marinated it or seasoned it and then smoked it um which was really good um and then i've also just like pan fried it and some white wine and butter and garlic that was really good too so yeah. <laughs> you know there's definitely a lot of ways to prepare it uh, to make it taste good. Yeah. Sure. So you mentioned something about a doll sheep hunt. Um, 
Did you were you successful on a doll sheep hunt at all? I wasn't. I I drew a Utah desert sheep okay. tag um, two years ago now. And I was successful on that one, and then uh, last year, me and um, oh, I think there was one other buddy that was hunting, and then there was two camera guys, a buddy helping, and then our guide. So we had a group out there, but uh, we were out there for ten days, hiked almost a hundred miles, saw over a hundred and fifty sheep, and not a single legal ram. Dang, um, it was pretty heartbreaking, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, went home pretty depressed on that one, but it was such an awesome experience. I mean, that was my first time doing anything that long in the backcountry of Alaska, and man, I I actually felt homesick when I got back to civilization. Like after a day or two, I just felt like I just wanted to be back out there. Like it felt weird oh, yeah. being back in civilization. Yeah. But, I've been uh, there. I've been there. Um, the, and the reason I asked that question was where I, I've never had sheep as far as mm-hmm. eating it. Uh, where does, where does sheep uh, land on the spectrum, of, you know, elk and, and deer and, and all yeah. that stuff? You know, um, my my desert sheep was just okay. It wasn't like anything that was phenomenal yeah. by any means. Um, a little on the tougher side, so it was a type of meat. It was a low and slow for sure type meat. Um, but I and I haven't had doll sheep, but I've heard from handfuls of people that doll sheep is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know if that's because <laughs> it might be a couple things. Usually when they eat it it's on the mountain after they've killed it. So it's probably been uh, a very treacherous uh, grueling hunt. Yeah. Uh, and it's usually over a fire. Um, and you probably haven't eaten many calories over the last week. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm sure everything tastes amazing at that point. But, but truthfully, everybody has said that doll sheep is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait to, uh, I've had quite a bit of wild game, uh, nothing crazy like uh, doll sheep, but you know, I've had elk and I've had antelope and, um, I don't know, there's, there's something, and I'd love, love to get your take on this, but there's something that just makes it different knowing like when I'm, when I have that meat on my plate and I can maybe look at a picture across the room or, or look at the mount hanging on my wall. And I was like, I did yep. this. Nobody else touched this except me. Yep. Uh, it, I, I try explaining that to people that have never hunted and I don't, I don't know if you'll ever truthfully be able to get the right type of emotion and feeling into their head without them doing it. Yeah. But once they go out and do it, like every single person I've ever talked to is right on that same page. It really is. There's no better feeling. And I don't know what that is, but having that connection that goes back to what we were talking about with, the reason why we created this this cookbook and this brand, um, there, there's nothing better. Like knowing exactly where your food comes from, going out, putting in the effort, the energy, learning the skill sets, uh, basically doing your homework on these animals and knowing, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses, going out there, putting the time uh, and harvesting one and then feeding and creating an amazing meal that you can share with your friends and your family and you get that ooh ah like there's nothing better like it's you know it's it's something like I said that nobody I don't think you could really understand until you go out and do it but yeah. uh, that that connection to your food is something that's so primal for us and just goes back to our our beginnings and uh, 
yeah, it's it's definitely something I hope that everybody in this lifetime could uh, could experience. Yeah. One of the last questions I hear uh, I have here for you um, is we talk about s- certain hunts uh, can be pretty grueling, uh, especially if you're you know like you ha- you had a, a ten day very physically demanding hunt, um, mentally demanding hunt, and you walk away sometimes with an L. How does that compare to training for an entire year and then taking an L uh, in a in an MMA match? Um, I guess it just depends how the hunt actually goes. Like, yeah. you know, never having an opportunity like that doll sheep hunt, it was tough. It was very tough, but I wouldn't say it would compare to training for a fight and going out there and, and getting an L. Yeah. I think what would compare, and this has happened to me and I've felt these feelings, unfortunately, way too many times in my hunting career, but, you know, either missing <clears throat> on an animal that yeah. you should never have missed, you know, a super easy shot. Or, you know, what happens sometimes is making a bad shot and just not retrieving the animal, whether he lives or, you know, you just don't find him. Um, <clears throat> those are very comparable to me. Going out there and training against, you know, Jose Aldo for the second title fight that we fought. And it's, you know, I put my heart and soul into that training camp and into that fight. And, you you know, you're so close and it just you still get the loss. You know, doing that, you're training for a hunt, you're preparing for it. You know, you do everything right to get into that moment of truth. You know, you, you pull your bow back or you shoot your rifle and it just doesn't happen. Uh, it's 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 the same feeling to me. And it's it's a feeling that I, I hate, but it is a feeling that also motivates me and keeps me going back and practicing harder and harder and training and, and getting better at my skill sets and wanting to get back out there and be successful. So, uh, it's definitely a bittersweet feeling. Yeah, I feel you. Now, on the, on this on the opposite side of the spectrum, there when you connect, right, and that arrow goes exactly where you want it, or that hand goes exactly where you want it on the chin, and, and the op- the opponent goes down. Uh, are there similarities there as well? I'd say it's identical. Okay, it really it really feels the same for me. Going out there and like I said, training, doing everything uh, you needed to do in that training camp, and and. And, and practicing the way you were supposed to practice, sticking to the game plan, uh, you know, doing your homework and watching that opponent and finding his strengths and weaknesses and training to, to uh, get up against that. And then you go out there and actually it all unfolds just like you envisioned it and, it, and you have that success, you have that belt or you, you know, whatever it is, uh, it's the same thing going through that whole training session leading up to that that hunt, you know, you got a big elk cup coming up, you're training with your archery equipment or whatever it is for months and months and months leading up to that. Um, and then when you, when you sneak in, everything goes right. Wind is good. You did everything you were supposed to. You release that bow and that arrow connects perfectly. It's, it's the same, man. It's such a good feeling. Um, and you know, I, I was telling my wife this the other day, you know, it's, it's such a cliche thing, but embracing those those shitty times the, the times yeah. that suck times that don't feel good you know if we didn't have that those moments of of perfection uh wouldn't wouldn't feel anything it wouldn't feel any different so um you know as much as it sucks to have those crappy situations and those crappy feelings uh, we just have to be thankful for them at the same time because that's what makes all those uh, perfect shots and all the the perfect situations feel so good for us fact fact sir 
All right. Well, Chad, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and BS with me here for a little bit. Um, aside from Amazon, uh, I hear that there's a yep. digital copy of the book available too. Yep. Yeah. And if you guys go to uh, theproviderlife.com, um, we have all that stuff on our website. Okay. All our rubs, uh, links for the cookbook. Um, that's probably actually, I said Amazon, but either way, if you wanted more info on it, and you know, there's definitely more photos and stuff uh, to look at before you buy. Um, I pre- I'd probably say go there, theproviderlife.com. Perfect. Well, Chad, uh, thanks again and have a happy Thanksgiving. Awesome. You too, man. Thank you very much. Huge shout out to Chad. I know he is a busy guy. So uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to hop on and uh, chit chat with us. Also, a huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Hunt Stand, Lone Wolf, Wasp, Ozonics, Vortex, Exodus, and Excalibur. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Lastly, um, as the the gun seasons uh, open up and, uh, you know, more people pile into the woods specifically here in Iowa we got the shotgun seasons um the the gun seasons can be really crazy please be safe if you're going to be in a tree please wear a safety harness um nothing is worth getting shot at or, or getting shot over a big buck right so let's take that into consideration you you, you have responsibilities at home uh, with whether you're married with kids or you're you're not there's someone out there who loves you so please be safe please use your brain hunt hard and we'll talk to you next time